Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash presale to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. Thanks for telling Twitter that I take steroids. You're welcome. <laughs> prove me prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. I, I, what am, I can't take a pee test. Also, I'm not that big. <laughs> You're bigger than the average bear. Whoops. Oh, man. That's okay. You know what? When COVID's done, you can take a pee test, and then we'll know for sure. Bessers wide open. Gets the puck. Tours! The only reason I do these podcasts is so I can hear all the amazing things about myself. So thanks for having me, and uh, now I'm signing off. I am uh, honored, thrilled. This is uh, one of the greatest achievements of my life. I literally, I, I, I showered and I combed my hair for you. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. Welcome to a very special PP1 podcast. We've got a very special guest with us this evening, folks. But before we get to that special guest, as always, let's welcome our boys. Ted, welcome to welcome to the show. Mm, hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. Hey. <laughs> I feel like this is going the Keith Schwetti route. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of extra sultriness coming from your voice here. I don't know exactly what's happening or who you're trying to turn on, but it's probably working. It's, I hope it's one one out of four ain't bad. So, uh, Brady, how, how are you doing out in the Burnaby? Hey, man, I'm, I'm doing real good. Uh, <laughs> tough day in the uh, Canucks media today, but, you know, oh, I'm good. No, in all honesty, good day for me. Bad day for, uh, you know, for, the, for TSN 1040. Um, but hey, we got an awesome guest here in Chris Faber joining us. Oh, I was gonna say it. Damn it. <laughs> oh yeah, you were. I stole it. I stole something from you again, didn't I? Ryan? I tell you, dudes and guys, and now this. I w- a thief in the night. Oh, Chris, welcome. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, thanks. I, I wanted that uh, that seductive voice of Ryan. We can still do me, it. I'll, yeah, I'll take I'll take Braden's. You know, not as great one, but yeah, like. Can I have a seductive intro here? Okay, Brian? I think I'm going to try to get. We we've been joking about this for the last few weeks with Ken Kniff, um, so I don't I don't want to go like that far because that's weird. <laughs> that that puts it in. It's a, only weird if you make it weird. I mean, a, for real. Hey, Chris, how you doing, man? <laughs> Welcome to the PP One Podcast. I am loving that getup. Thank you. Yeah, boys, happy to be here. Obviously, it's a pretty crappy day to to do it, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that. But yes, I am rocking the 
Scott jersey, my full Russian getup I got on right now, especially for you guys. And you guys know I'm a big fan of this show and, and happy to hop on here with you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Did you Not just the jersey, though. There, there's You got... You're you're locked up with the huge chain and everything. So I mean, you're going you're going full rusky over here. Yeah. The funny thing is, this is like a you know, if you saw a guy on the street in Russia, maybe rocking this, you're like, wow, that's probably about you know two thousand dollars worth of gear he's rocking right there. But this is about a forty dollar kit from some Chinese wholesale website with fake stuff. So you know, we're rocking it though, boys. I think it's it's looking good. I went full Russia for you. Hey, at least it. it's not like a uh, twenty four million dollar diamond on your forehead. <laughs> well, that sounds like something Louie might have. There you go. We're in a pandemic. Forty dollars on a jersey seems right. That's... You guys heard about that, right? Yeah, I, I saw. Really had a graph to do his head. Oh man. Ugh. When you have so much money that you want to just be an absolute idiot, not like I actually Ari didn't hear about this. What is this that you guys are talking about? I think some. Mum- I think he's a mumble rapper. Uh, okay, I mean, it makes sense. I got it. Lil Uzi Vert, I think his <laughs> name is. Yeah. That sounds like a mumble rapper. Yeah. <laughs> Mumble rapper got it. Good enough. Fair enough. Um, we didn't just bring you here for your good looks, though, Faber. We, uh, you, you seem to be uh, on the Pod Colson train. You've been rocking it pretty hard, and I'll roast you on all the other trains that uh, you've, uh, you know, failed to uh, make happen. You know, the Goldie thing that that didn't really work out so well, and then I'll bust you on why, for whatever reason, you're still excited about Jake Vertanen. But let's talk about. <laughs> Let's talk about Pod Colson. Ted, I know this was kind of, you're like, we got to get Faber on. We got to get Faber on. I'm like, well, why would we get him on aside from he's awesome? And what was your answer, Ted? Why did we want to have Chris Faber? Because Faber, Faber knows pods. So fill us in, bud. Like, give us give us the 411 on free pods. Yeah, break it down for, for, for us, like how you even got this information, because we know what's going on, but maybe the people who are listening don't exactly know how you know what you know. Yeah, for sure. I'll go uh, full Kristoff Faberov mode here for you guys and, and break it down. I think, obviously, uh, Vasily Podkolzin, he was a lot of people's third kind of ranked player coming out of the 2019 draft. He fell to 10 to the Vancouver Canucks, where I think a lot of the reason he fell was the situation in Russia. So I think people that were you know knowledgeable about the situation kind of knew that something was going to be tough in the development years that we saw with Vasily Podkolzin. And we're seeing that um, up to about two weeks ago. Uh, it was a very bad situation for him and the SCA organization. He was getting some games he'd play two minutes, some games he'd play eight minutes. And then when the whole team went down to COVID and only the young players hopped in, he's playing 21 minutes for the team. So it's been a really up and down season for him. Uh, over the past little bit, I'd probably have to say the last two months or so, He's been strapped to their fourth line uh, and you have to mix in the world juniors at that point as well, obviously, because he went there and performed pretty well for Russia at the world juniors. I think he, a lot of these things that I've been trying to let people know where, you know, he's not a bad player because he's not putting up points. I think a lot of people saw that at the world juniors, just seeing the way that he affects a game. And honestly, it's been great to see him finally scoring some goals. He's just now getting an opportunity to be on both special teams units, uh, a spot where I think he does some of his best work, uh, he's a guy who has incredible vision in the offensive zone and every other other every other part of the ice. I mean, he he just absolutely has one of the fastest running motors that that I've seen from a lot of these prospects and and guys like I've watched every single game of Pod Colson in the last two years, every single game of Huglander in the last two years. And if you think that Huglander is electric on the ice right now, he you're getting another one in Vasily Pod Colson here coming up soon. My my quick question can I can I steal this for a second? I'm just I'm having a hard time just looking at you wearing a power glove right now. That's really 
I'm trying to. I'm trying. We're going old school here tonight, folks. Now, what question am I getting here with the power glove coming out? Yeah, just a second. I got to type it in. One second. There we go. Um, when he inevitably gets to Vancouver, because that's clearly going to happen. He's excited for it. We're excited for it. The Canucks aren't going to make the playoffs this season unless there's a miraculous event that happens. And uh, I mean, hey, those things happen occasionally in Vancouver, but I think we've already had one making the playoffs. So where where does Pod Colson slot in? Like, where do you see Travis Green? Yes, Travis Green will still be here. Where do you see him slotting in? Does he get the Hoglander treatment? Like, does he go right into potentially that that maybe the Pearson spot? Does he get you know does he get a run as kind of a star? on you know the lotto line to to start things off and then maybe pearson moves down a bit like what what is the marquee for pod coles and when he gets to vancouver yeah something that's that's really interesting about the way that you mentioned that huglander slided slid right into the lineup i think it's it's a combination for travis green to see like okay you, you have a young player right a young very talented player still needs to prove himself to be an nhl player that's something you need to see on the other hand you have a guy playing in a professional league in europe that's also another great thing to have as a plus for a guy, but he needs to prove that he can be an NHL player. With Pod Colson and Huglander, you have both. You have a young, promising player who has played multiple years in a professional league overseas, and I think that that kind of formula right there could open up the door for Pod Colson to slide right into the top six in a similar way, almost the exact same way that we saw Niels Huglander do it just a little bit later. The only thing that's going to be different for me is if that line, and if we're talking him sliding into the lineup later on this year, which is a possibility, depending on the world championships and if they go through, if he has to stay in Russia for that. But if they don't happen, which a lot of people predict, one of them being Jim Benning, predicting that there won't be a world championships this year, I think there is going to be. I don't think we're going to see Pod Colson this season, to be honest. But next year, they like that second line that you could see of Horvat, Huglander, and Pod Colson is, is something that's going to be electric. I mean, this this kid in, that we have in Huglander here, he looks electric on the ice. He's busy every time he goes on for a skate. He's awesome on the forecheck. And what you're going to see from Pod Colson is a lot of the same, but a lot more in certain other parts. Like the parts that we all love that we're seeing from Niels right now, you're going to love that even more from the style of play that Pod Colson's going to have. And a lot of people are worried about his scoring and his ability to create in the offensive zone. Those people, I think, are just looking at elite prospects and reading stats because Pod Colson is a great passer. I think he's going to fit in perfect on the line with two guys in Horvat and Huglander who will be able to bury the puck. So, yeah, I, I don't see a reason why he shouldn't be in the Canucks' top six come next season. Uh, the only reason that I really could go away from that is if they somehow like swap, bring in another guy who's a proven top six guy and Travis Green doesn't want to go away from Huglander – that's kind of the only situation I see where they really shouldn't give Pod Colson a run in the top six. They're not going to have any money to do that. Let's be honest. Exactly. So Pod <laughs> Colson's in the top six. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's been settled. It's been settled. So you're you're confident that Pod Colson's ready for the top six role when he comes to Vancouver. Um, is there watching his game so closely? Is there something like in his game right now that you're super confident he's going to have an instant impact at the NHL? And is there something in his game that maybe he's going to struggle with at first? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's weird because like a lot of these tie-ins and a lot of things I'm going to talk about have been proven from Huglander coming in and looking so good. I mean, there was one thing that I knew about Niels Huglander when he was coming in from watching him play, and that was the reason he controlled so much possession and had such high Corsi numbers in the SHL, one of the top 20 in the SHL before he left, 
the reason why he had it so high was he was able to extend plays in the offensive zone. And we see that he's, whether it's getting a puck from a four check or just making good passes with quick decisions, that's what Huglander does so well. That third of the ice is where he really excels in the offensive zone. But the thing that Pod Colson looks NHL ready right now is those other two thirds in the neutral zone, the way that he controls the puck and controls the play in the neutral zone as a four checker, as a guy moving the puck through it offensively. And then in the defensive zone of him just gaining possession from guys on the boards and also doing that similar thing that we see from Huglander where he makes a really good first pass out of his own zone. And guys, we've seen all the games this year. That's one thing that Canucks really struggle on is just making like one pass, make that one pass to get past the blue line just so that the other team even has to reset their offense. Like you don't even need to carry it in the offensive zone, but so many of those turnovers that are costing the Canucks this year are coming from that first pass, just not making it to the right stick. It's going to the other team and they're coming in and Tyler to fully scoring a goal. That's what we've seen all year so far. And I think that part is what pod Colson is going to be so good at is just like the little things, unfortunately, like I'm going to have to say it, but <laughs> like the little things of making that first pass, controlling a lot of the possession in the neutral zone and just making sure the puck's going in the right direction. Like those are the things that he's going to be already ready at the NHL level for. Hmm. I think we had like a, you know, a good little preview at the world juniors just seeing how disruptive he was in the neutral zone. But what can you say to, you know, those classic stat checkers that you're talking about, the guys that go on to, you know, elite prospects and see that he only has X number of goals and X number of games, um, see that he's only getting two, three, five, six minutes a night on any given night. Um, and what's happened lately about how much he's, he's improved his game, how much more ice time he's getting. I know there's lots of struggles there with Valeri Bragan. Um, you know, we get sort of that, that allure that Russia is a real politicky place. So what's changed for him in the last little bit? And maybe can you talk a little bit about some of the struggles that he was experiencing early on the season, why those were, were prominent? Yeah, most definitely. And I th- you brought up a really good point with Bragan over there. I mean, we're just now seeing over the past two weeks that pod Colson's getting regular minutes where he's been over 13 and a half minutes, I believe in his last six games, he's produced like crazy in those six games. So it's been impressive to see. And I think that now that he's on the second power play unit, now that he's getting time as a penalty killer, he's getting engaged to the game because there's like, Scott's a weird organization. Like if you watch these games, it's almost like watching Tom Brady play a quarterback. Like he's going to get the calls, right? You know, we're seeing a lot of, and I'm a Tom Brady supporter, by the way, you can roast me for that later. Uh, But at the same time, I just think that this Scott team gets so many power plays and certain situations when Pod Colson wasn't being used in it, you would see a 10, 12, 15 minute stretch of the game where he got a shift, maybe two shifts and like trying to be engaged in a hockey game, the way that Pod Colson plays when you're getting two, three, four shifts in a period, it's a tough thing to do for the kid. And he went out there and skated his ass off. We saw it all season long at the start of the year. It was get the puck in deep, chase it. If you don't get it quickly to the bench, like, if you got like if you watch these KHL games, Pod Colson is so quick to the bench that it feels like Bragan has a whip or something. Like it's like he's cranking that whip at Pod Colson to say, get off the ice after that 30 seconds. And he's been doing it so much that I, I'm ready for him to have the chain just be kind of released at the NHL level. And like we've seen with Huglander and the way that Green's been able to use him, like, hey, go wild. Like, do your things in the offensive zone, do your thing in the neutral zone, check hard, and you'll play for me. Like Pod Colson does all those things. He might be the most impactful player at driving the possession numbers on that Scott team. Who's filled with a lot of superstars in the KHL, but unfortunately he doesn't get rewarded for his efforts at all on that team throughout this season. 
and we're just now seeing him sneak onto the second power play unit, sneak onto the third penalty kill group. And it's so unfortunate because you watch him play and you're like, why? Like this helps your team having him do it. And there's just something wrong with the organization that won't let it happen. So we've heard on, uh, because we listen to your show too, um, we've heard about, uh, you know, the, the politics, the side of things and how, you know, it's it's a wins driven league in the KHL. Like you're winning, you basically keep your job. You're losing, not so much. So now that you're seeing Pod Colson kind of get these opportunities, even though he's not getting, I guess, the ideal ones, like, do you think that they're finally seeing like, hey, the, maybe he's gotten over just enough of that hump that they feel like, hey, we're not going to lose with this guy getting longer shifts, you know, more opportunity. Um, you know, for a while he's here, we can still, you know, drive wins. We can, you know, see see the money continue to come in wherever it's coming from, that uh, they continue to have opportunities. Yeah, I think that the opportunities are coming because he's, like, he's just forced the hand. I mean, Scott mm-hmm. was having a pretty bad season uh, compared to what they're normally doing. This is this is the New York Yankees of the KHL. You know, they spend the most money. They bring in the best coaches. They have the best facilities. There's There's a reason why this team picks up the best prospects. There's a reason why Pod Colson is on Sky and not on, you know, Locomotive or, or one of these other teams, Akbars or one of these random teams in the Kunjong. <laughs> There's a reason why he's there, right? I mean, it's because this organization goes out and a lot of the time, if they want something, they get it. If they want the top free agent, they get it. If they see Oscar Fantenberg is a free agent in the NHL, they went out and got him. Now he's playing for them as their top defenseman. I mean, this is a team that gets what they want. And I think the contract situation with pod Colson is a spot where they didn't get what they want. So I think, I don't know where it came down from, if it was the owner, if it was the general manager, or if it was just the coach following the organization's orders somehow, but they just weren't giving pod Colson an opportunity to really succeed. I mean, early on in the season, and that's just unfortunate. I mean, he was, he started the year on a fourth line with Morozov and Marchenko who both mm-hmm. draft picks, both won't be in the KHL for long then you see what their contract situations are and they're different. They have another year after this year in the KHL where Marchenko's getting first line minutes now with Ska, Morozov's playing second and third line center roles and Pod Colson's still just sitting on that fourth line because there's been multiple contracts given to him this year where he has turned them down because he's coming to the NHL. At the end of this contract, he's coming to the NHL and that's not the Ska way. They're not getting their way, so they have to mistreat him in a certain way. And a lot of people are seeing what's happening right now and just reading some of the Russian reports that I hear and and read after Google Translate handles the articles. There's a lot of people talking in the comments of, oh, maybe this is a last-ditch effort by Ska to say, look, if you keep with us, we're going to give you all these minutes. We're going to play you on the power play. We're going to play you on the lines, you know, up in the lineup here, and we're going to get you on the shorthanded unit. But this kid is just so set on coming to the KHL, or sorry, coming to the NHL, that you know it, it's just pointless at this point to think that he would sign a contract with Scott. We'll give you just, nice gifts and you stay. Give you nice gifts. Big, big chain, <laughs> night jersey. Big, big chain, yeah. <laughs> he's just so he just he's he's so impactful for for the things he does uh, away from the puck, uh, because we're always you know. You know, Hoaglander is a really good example of a guy that every time he has the puck, he's doing wow things, right? Um, and it's not very often, and I don't remember the last time that we had, you know, a Vancouver Canuck do wow things when when he didn't have the puck. Um, you know, and a guy like, uh, you know, Patrice Bergeron comes to mind. You're watching him just do a simple stick lift in the defensive zone, walk away with the puck. Um, and I don't know what your thought is on doing player comparisons, but I was racking my brain trying to find somebody who I thought Paul Colson looked like and is an NHLer. 
and I don't know who that is. Do you have a guy that maybe you're thinking of that you can compare his game to, even if it's just in parts or places? Yeah, I do. And it, it's not a current NHL player, but it is a Canuck. Um, and it's Ryan Kessler as a winger. I think the way that Pod Colson plays the game on the four check is he gets in there hard. He's going to not be afraid to throw the body around, but he doesn't rely on it. Like Kessler didn't rely on being physical, but he had to be physical at times. And he was. And I think his forechecking was great. He was a guy who can kill penalties. Kessler was a guy who killed penalties. And then even looking at what they both do on the power play unit, you know, you saw Kessler come on and play with the Sedins as the right-handed shot right in front of the net. And he also moved around. He wasn't just a guy who was screening, right? He was a guy that moved around, also got included in the cycle at times with the Sedins. And I think we're going to see a lot of similar things from Pod Colson. So, yeah, the comparison I'd probably go with is Ryan Kessler as a winger. And I know that, you know, even just saying that my brain just kind of thinks like, man, it'd be nice if Pod Colson was a center, right? Because a lot of people have floated that idea, like the way that he plays, it, it sounds like a center. But yeah, to me, it's, it's going to be a similar to what Canucks fans saw uh, in Ryan Kessler for those years. So we'll hope that his body holds up because that would be great to have Pod Colson for a long time here in Vancouver. Absolutely love the comparison to Ryan Kessler. Yeah, He's one great. of my favorite Canucks of all time. So if we can get a Ryan Kessler back in Vancouver, that'd be amazing. Um, I've heard some comparisons. I know the name Mark Messier isn't very well liked in Vancouver, um, but I've heard some comparisons in terms of leadership. Um, what do you have to say about those comparisons? Do you agree? And is that something we sh- should be looking forward to in Vancouver? Yeah, I think a lot of us saw that clip uh, from the World Juniors when they were down against, was it Canada they were down against? And yeah. he was just yelling at his guys. Every single player on that Russia bench is looking at him, right? Like, if like leaders don't just go out there and demand respect. They go out there and they earn it, and then it forces players to, that them to demand respect from him. And I think that Pod Colson, yeah, he does, he does have these leadership qualities from when we see him play the World Juniors, but just the situation he's in in Scott right now, it doesn't really show, but the parts that you do see it are what I just mentioned on, he goes out there and plays on the ice and does it right. He's a guy who is pointing players in certain directions on the four check on the penalty kill. He's pushing guys around with the stick, making sure that everyone's in their right spot. So you're seeing a lot of leadership qualities from him on the ice, but unfortunately with Scott, like I can't say that the players are listening to him. And like, he's a guy that their team looks to just because of, I guess, the way that organization kind of is, but I don't know, maybe also, but like something that's weird. And I've never really talked about this, but like watching these broadcasts, maybe I just don't notice it, but notice like other players' names, but it seems like the broadcast is always talking about Pod Colson. Like they mentioned Pod Colson a lot. Uh, Not only just like from him making good plays, but him on the bench, they'll always talk about what he's doing. And I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just because he is so young and that he's intriguing because he is still just a teenager. Like we need to remember this kid's 19 years old still, right? And I think that it's it's pretty cool to see that them focusing on him so much, him doing so many intermission interviews, which I have no idea. I just like smile and watch him talk while he's like speaking in Russian on the interviews. But I, I do think that that quality is going to come. I'm curious how it's going to fit at the NHL level, right? Because this team has their core. This team has their captain. This team has their veterans. I'm curious how a guy who has such high leadership qualities in his age group will actually fit at an NHL level. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I mean, it, it took a, a maybe this isn't the right comparison, but he's really the only guy that I can think of. But it took a little while for for Alex Ovechkin to establish himself in Washington, even though there was a leadership group that was already there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. I think if somebody's leaving it out there at all times on the ice, I think people want to follow that, right? So 
we'll see. I think there's obviously going to be some barriers that are going to have to be broken through over time. But I think this is a young core, right? And and he's a young player. So I think it's I'm excited to see how this whole dynamic fits in. I think that's a really good call out. You know what I'm excited to see? We've talked a lot about Pod Colson and I like Pod Colson. I'm excited to see this guy. But what I'm excited to see is why is Faber so jacked on Jake? Why does he have this need to create something from nothing? Why are you still holding on to the thought that Jake Vertanen still has potential on the Vancouver Canucks? Because quite frankly, he's at the point now, he's been here long enough. Like, I mean, Goldie, I was willing to give a run to, and then he got his opportunity and it didn't really pan out. Jake, I've been very patient. I was at a point where... I thought, you know, maybe we should trade him. Ted talked me off the ledge, and I became a believer. But I am now at the point where I think it's best for all parties involved for Jake to be moved, whether that's this season, midseason, end of the year, to wherever. But I think it's one of those change of sceneries like the Max Domi-type situations, although he's a better player than um, Jake. Um, why are you still, and I, hey, it's clickbait, it's articles time, you know, Canucks Army, I get it. Do you truly believe that Jake can still be a valuable top six winger? Yeah, I, I look at it from a little bit different. I look at the value of just Jake Vertanen in a roster, right? I look at the way that you can get the most out of Jake Vertanen. I think the way to get the most out of him is to play him in the top six. I think the value of Jake Vertanen in your top six with Tanner Pearson in your bottom six is higher than the value of Tanner Pearson in your top six and Jake Vertanen in your bottom six. And I'll explain that because Jake Vertanen, the only time we really seen stuff come out of him is when he's playing with Elias Pettersson, right? I mean, that's the only time we've seen some success from him. We haven't really seen it from Horvat, and that's kind of where I've slotted him into the lineup because I just think that the interesting thing would be to see the experiment of Huglander, Horvat, and Vertanen. I think that is a spot where you're getting the most out of him and I do like the idea of kind of the way that Tanner Pearson and Brandon Sutter, I guess, attack the net. And I know it's kind of a joke thing to say about Sutter over the years that he's been here, but like he hasn't looked that bad this year at producing some offense, just maintaining possession. I think that him and Pearson attack the net in the same way. And if you look at those bottom six lines, Jake just doesn't fit. Like Jake's up and down play because he's not a power forward. We can get over no. this. He's not a power forward. He's a guy who skates up and down, shoots the puck pretty hard and I just think that the way that you're seeing Huglander make these passes in the offensive zone, if he's passing to a guy like Jake, who I think if I had, like, it's, it's pretty close because Pearson has made some pretty good shots over the past year a bit here. But, like, those passes going across to a Jake for Tannen, I think go in as well. And I think Huglander's playmaking has proven that he can make a lot of players on his line better. And I wonder how much better he could make Jake for Tannen. So, like, if I look at, if I were to just be like not breaking down every little situation and like reaching, I would say, yeah, Jake Vertanen is not a top six player. But if I reach a little bit and I say, how's the most, what's the situation where you can get the most out of a top nine for goal scoring? It does make sense to have Jake Vertanen on the top six group and move Tanner Pearson down because I think as a whole, you're getting more offense that way. But, but they- you know what? He might just not work. <laughs> like he might not work, but it's still an option. They've given him that leash, though. Like he he has been given the you know the the Patterson uh, line. He's been given the the bow line a little bit more so the Patterson um, opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think we were talking about that probably in the playoffs. I think right when he kind of got that opportunity there. I mean he's 
he's had the chances. It's just like there's all this like I mean, there has to be. There is potential. He's a talented player. I don't think anybody's going to to say that he isn't. It's just the opportunities that he has already been given, whether it's been in the bottom six or it's been uh, with Pedersen or it's been with Bo or whatever that looks like, It's he just hasn't made the most of it. And you can't, you can't ride him to the point where we're going to give him six games and hope it pans out. Because, I mean, ideally, that's how you're going to find out if there is chemistry there. Unfortunately, you know, we watch a sport that unless things are clicking right away, you're going to see changes. I mean, you might get a game. You might even get two if you're lucky. But you're not going to see six unless you happen to be the guy they're grooming to be on that top line or grooming to be on a second line. Jake's just not going to get those opportunities. So I think at this point, for me, how I saw and I get I get your reasoning. It, it totally makes sense. Why not at this point, though, and it's probably, I mean, this season would probably have to be a Canadian team. Why not move that guy and get him in an, an opportunity where he could probably, or potentially anyway, thrive on that top six on another team where, you know, it's a fresh start. He doesn't have to really prove anything to a coach that has been dogging on him for as long as he has. And I mean, Travis Green, I think, has probably been one of his biggest believers, realistically. Yeah. But... He's at the point now where I think as an organization, you know, they're continuing to invest in him and they're not seeing the results at, at the end of the day. I mean, it's it's results that we're all looking for. So why not move him to whether it's, I mean, Calgary would obviously be an okay fit long term, you, you know, play junior, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, you're, you're, you're shuffling the deck chairs a little bit for maybe another guy that hasn't quite panned out. But I mean, we've also seen those guys that move teams and they've been a problem on one team and they instantly um, become a success on another team. So I think for all parties involved, like, I mean, I want to see Jake succeed. And if he ends up doing really well on another team, great. I mean, it happens, but we, you know, you can't be crying over spilt milk if all of a sudden he's a success somewhere else. Cause he's not a success here. And I think that's what it comes down to. Yep. I think as, as if you look at it at the individual of Jake Vertanen, the best spot for him is somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, the best spot for him with his skill set is a coach or a general manager that believes that his skill set can fit in their lineup as the individual. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the situation has not worked out in Vancouver. What was he like six years, seven years now? Has he been here? It's been a while. Like, yeah. It, it's been a lot. Was it Jim Benning's pick? It's been seven years then, right? This is seventh year. I believe Yeah, yeah seventh he, season he made the, league, the team. So... He made the team draft here, I believe. Right. Exactly. So I think yeah. that, as the individual, yeah, the best spot for him would be somewhere else. But from the Canucks organization, the return just won't be enough. Like, the return won't be enough to still have a chance of getting a good Jake Vertanen here. Like, I can't see a team – I can't see it being Sam Bennett. I don't think Sam Bennett one-for-one one goes back for Jake. I think Sam Bennett would be a guy who could probably fit into the bottom six, probably change that third line a lot, right? That that changes him – with him at the center – you really can get a little bit of offense compared to what you have from Sutter. Younger guy, you know, physical guy who could be helpful for your team in the playoffs. But just looking at it, I think the value is higher to keep him here and still just whatever, you know, maybe you're, you got the 20-sided dice and you maybe have to roll an 18 or 19 or 20. I know Wyatt Stanchion's been hard on the D&D references lately, uh, so I'll throw one in there too. But maybe, maybe that's what your best value still is with Jake. You just have to roll that 18, 19, or 20. I'd say yeah, I think pick. I think at the, at the bottom line, right? I mean, is that this team re-upped and reinvested in Jake Vertanen? Yeah, that's the problem. That might and, be the problem. Yeah, and and what do they do now that they've gone that route, right? I mean, they either have to try to make it work, 
or or there's a trade out there and and you're right Faber I don't think that that Bennett for for Tannen is is a realistic thing unless there's extra whatever you know Raymond Ballard in a second whatever <laughs> it's like you know Bennett is like the perfect example of a player who was a super high scoring junior and looked like a world beater comes to the NHL and has completely reinvented himself as a bottom six forward and he looks good in that role right and that's something that we know Vertanen can't do so to get him into the top six, people are dogging on him right now that he's not scoring. Well, of course, he's not scoring with with Sutter and, and Beagle, right? He's got to score with guys who can help him put the puck in the net because he's a, he's an accessory to a line, not a guy who's going to drive play on a line. Yeah, you're right. He's he's an up-and-down shooter who has speed, right? I mean, that's why you put him with Huglander, and maybe he just sees the way that Huglander goes out there and skates every shift and is like, Maybe I should do that too, you know, and maybe it works. That's kind of like the, I'm not saying it's like the last ditch effort because maybe they change that third line completely and maybe he fits in nicely there next year with a center and a different winger. But I just think they've invested too much. They're going to at the point right now where the return's not going to be worth it. They're just going to have to go and see what they can do for the rest of this contract. There you go. Okay. Well, I got my answer. I'm happy with that. I've <laughs> hey, been... And I'll tell you about Goldie. The only reason Goldie didn't work is <laughs> goddamn Josh Levo coming in and taking that spot on Elias Pettersson's wing. It's Josh Levo's fault that Goldie didn't succeed, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, Does anybody else miss Josh Levo? Because I do. He's the Jacob Tammy of the Vancouver Canucks. Hey, Ted? I love how how fired up Favre's getting about that. (laughs) I'm just saying, man. I I don't know. I know how to push the the right buttons. You know what's funny? You dropped that article, and I texted Quads, um, I think, might have been that day. And I think you guys had talked about it on the podcast or something. And I texted him on this whole thing about Vertanen. And then I saw that you were dropping an article and I laughed so hard because <laughs> like I have, I could, sh- I should show you the conversation and he totally agreed with me. So it was awesome. And then uh, yeah, that's and- been the, the easiest way to write articles now is just like, I'll be talking about something on the podcast and something will start rolling. And then I'm like, well, this, hey, this makes sense. And then I'll like, just go back and like listen as I write the article. You're like mid pod, you have to stop your thought and take notes. Yeah, shut her down, bud. <laughs> yeah, we'll record the rest tomorrow. We don't can worry edit about that. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the beauty of these things, right? We can we don't have to record it all at once. So, um, Faber, I don't know how long we still have you for, but uh, I think you were involved in in this before, were you not? Our uh, our heralded uh, feature part of the podcast. I think dudes and guys came uh, after oh. my one appearance on the show, so I am I'm happy to be here for this now. This is uh, I want to make sure we, we get involved in everything because we got a few other hopefully top topics to talk about. So let's uh, we'll do. We, last week went pretty well. We made it pretty pretty decent. So um, dudes and guys brought to you by Players Choice Sports Cards and Collectibles. They are an Upper Deck Diamond dealer. They are the location. I don't care what anybody says. They are the location. For all authenticated Upper Deck gear, um, they were, how do I say this, the best Upper Deck hobby store two years ago, 2019, and I would hold on to that forever because that's amazing. When you get a hug from Bobby Orr, you got things going on. Um, so definitely check out Player's Choice. Series 2, Faber, you know. Series 2 is coming out pretty quick. We're going to be looking for those uh, those Hoglander cards. They're going to be tough to get. You're going to have to buy in. I've uh, found out what the, the rebuy is on a lot of these boxes. These things are going to be going for like $200 a box, and the pre-buy on them was like 100 110 or something. So you got to get in on this. Anyway, dudes and guys, let's go for it. And you know what? Our guests, because this is, this is what you do. When you have people over, you let the guests eat first. You let the guests feast on it. So Faber, we're going to start with guys because it's a lot more fun to end with dudes. So who is your, uh, who's your guy of the week? 
Guy of the week, uh, I'm going to go with Jalen Chatfield. Um, I think that I watched Jalen Chatfield in his first handful of games, and I was like, wow, I was really wrong about Jalen Chatfield. He looks like he can play at the NHL level, and then he was on the ice for four goals against in 12 minutes of five-on-five hockey. And I, I think what he's doing is just so simple. I think that the way that he is working at the NHL level is a lot of the reason why he worked at the at the AHL level, and that's just simply – playing his game like he's playing the exact same way he did the AHL but I was wondering why a player like Reed Boucher who dominates the AHL doesn't work right like why doesn't that work in the NHL Mm -hmm. why does a guy like Jalen Chatfield who's your fourth defenseman in the AHL why does that work in the NHL it's just because he's playing the exact same game and the way that his game fits in does fit into the NHL and where they need him so He's kind of my guy just because of that four goal against performance. So he didn't look as great. I think he'll get another shot, but um, as the guy, you might have to be the guy up in the press box right now and let Ole Levy get a couple games in because I, I still like Olevi's game this year. That's a good call. Your 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 initiation is going really well on this. So great call, <laughs> great call, Brady. I believe in myself this week, and I'm going to ride this one till the end. I fully fully believe that no one's got my pick. I'm I'm going out on a limb here, so we're going to be going off the board. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Alrighty. not. I'm not. Um, You're up, bud. My guy of the week. Uh, I hate to do it to him two weeks in a row. Um, I know he's been one of the guys out there who's grinds. He works hard every shift. But Bo Horvat, my guy of the week, once again. I know it's only been two games between our last podcast, but zero points, minus three between the last two games. We're in a slump like this. He's got to be the guy to break it, break us out of it as the captain of the team. Um, and he, once again, he just was pointless. So sorry to do it to Bo Horvat, but my guy of the week, the collective air has just been let out of this podcast. Wow. Ted, you, I mean, even though it's a guy, like you got to bring up the mood a little bit here now. Uh, geez, I don't, I don't know. I feel like this was such, such a better effort for Vancouver in a hole that it's actually difficult for me to, to, to pick. Uh, a guy of the week, but I guess, I mean, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm still not overly thrilled with, with Vertanen's game just, just this yet. I think I've, you know, seen improvements from guys like Gaudet, you know, garnering a lot more shots on net, but I think this game, uh, you know, if I have to single somebody out, and actually this is the first game this season where I don't really feel like I want to do that. It's, it, I guess I would pick, pick Vertanen, uh, just, just, just in this this round of the game, I think maybe a, a giveaway or two that probably didn't need to happen in sort of a weird pass or like a, a quick redirect pass that probably led to a couple of scoring chances um, in a flurry of saves. But uh, you know that would that would probably be the one. I think on the on the whole, I should probably stress though that this was a really good collective effort from this team, a moral victory, if you will. Moral victories. I mean, remember those? Those are fun. They're the good old Willy moral victories. Yeah, those are fun. Good times. Good times. Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 Podcast on Cryer Media. If you're looking for a spot to advertise your company, your brand, your cheese wheel, some beer, maybe some donuts, this is the spot. Reach out to me via DM on Twitter or Instagram at always94, and I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Worst case scenario, we just become best friends. And how awesome does that sound? I was torn between my two choices, but I'm going to go with what normally would be low-hanging fruit. We were picking guys, right? Is that yes, what we, we were picking okay. guys. So this is normally be low-hanging fruit, and any other week, this would be super easy to pick. But I'm picking, again, you know my, my jam, for all different reasons. Louis Erickson is my guy of the week. Again, not the reasons you think. Louis got brought into the lineup 
we all praised his return to this Canucks team. We knew he was going to get an opportunity somehow, some way, and he got back in. I really didn't love everything that Louis Erickson put. I mean, really, there really wasn't much to get excited about in the last couple of games. So, you know, we're we're splitting hairs for the most part. But I just, I figured I would see more of Louis Erickson in these two games. I just, you know, he's had time to think, you know, like his popcorn skills are the best on the Vancouver Canucks. He's been in that press box. Like he's the maestro when it comes to making popcorn. And I was hoping he would bring those little skills because popcorns are kernels and they're small. He would bring those, those, those little skills back to the Canucks roster. And I didn't see it. I was expecting, I mean, I had high hopes there'd be an empty netter. Just maybe a goal of any kind would be nice. But uh, for, for now, I, I just, I want to see just those, those little things back. Cause like I miss I miss the Louis Erickson that we love hated or hate loved I'm not quite sure. So for for this week and I I hope he proves me wrong on Thursday against Calgary. Maybe he'll like elbow Markstrom or something. I don't know. But I, I want to see that that solid, barely there fourth line effort from Louis Erickson. The you know the the Lunar New Year star, the rat himself, Louis Louis Erickson. He's 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 my, to the rat He's he's my guy of the week. So that was fun. We got got through the got through the hard part. We're good. Everybody's still intact here. Um, that that what is it? How do we say that, Faber? What's that that bottle of pop in the back? Is it Fago? Fuego? That is blueberry Fago. And did you buy two of them just so you could have at least one to drink? Uh, I bought a little bottle to drink. The other one, yeah, it's holding up the jersey over there. <laughs> Believe it or not. So, what and uh, how how sweet is that stuff? Oh man, so this, I don't know, like this is an American drink that they sell. They have this place in Vancouver called Dank Mart, which sells like... Sounds legit. Sells dank food and drinks. And memes. I think they sell, <laughs> I think they sell some dank as well, uh, edibles in there. but the dank, Brady? <laughs> but they... Um, nice. Have you heard of this place, Brady? Have you seen this place? No, I haven't. <laughs> so they're, they're a good follow on Instagram because they get like the craziest flavors of stuff. I think I got, my girlfriend for Christmas got me mac and cheese that's Cheetos. It's Cheetos mac and cheese flaming hot. Whoa. What? It is I a saw. wild flavor. I saw and? some woman on Instagram making that Cheetos mac and cheese with I don't oh, know. I don't I know saw if I'm that about too. that. No, this is like an actual box. Like this is this is Cheetos mac and cheese. It's not I saw I think are you talking about the video where she like mixed yeah. water? With, that was ah, man, I don't know. That what was the bad, hell that bad. Was. <laughs> that freaked me the hell. I think I have it over here. Maybe I'll pull it out quickly. But um yeah, uh, just that Dank Mart place, man. Sponsor sponsor my show. Or sponsor your guys' show. I don't care. Just get <laughs> sponsor somebody someone. some money for this free ad here. There you go. I love it. All nice. right. So speaking of uh, sweet, sweet things, um, let's get into uh, the sweetest part of the show, dudes. Um, again, Faber, we're going to let you lead off, uh, even though you're, you'd clean up in baseball. Um, we're we're going to give you the leadoff spot. So who Still is Still a grand slam, though. Just, just knock it out of the park. Just like first pitch, dinger. Yeah, Don't steal do. my dude, all right? <laughs> I've never been a leadoff hitter in my life, so this is this is fun. Um, yeah, hopefully I'm not stealing your dude here, but I, I really like Justin Bailey in the two games that he got in here against the Leafs. I think I think oh, he performed dude. really well uh, on that that last game that we just saw on Monday. I, I thought that he was pretty effective at five on five. That line just seemed to work, and and Justin Bailey is a guy who honestly I think should get a shot on the. Uh, Second power play unit. This is a guy who scored 11 power play goals in 53 games last year for the Utah Comets. Pretty sure I nailed that stat. Um, but, like, this is a guy who scored a lot of goals. Those three hat tricks in four games. This Like, he has a finishing touch. 
there's something that doesn't quite translate like from his game like it looks like he's speaking french but playing spanish the way that he's on the ice sometimes like there's something that's just a little bit off like it's close right but like it's not the exact same thing that needs to click for him if he can figure out what makes it click uh on the ice it's going to be an excellent showing for him because like the dude's fast the dude was the fastest guy in the hl last year by a mile um and if he can kind of reel it in and find a good spot in this canucks lineup i i think he he could be a guy that maybe sticks around on a fourth line so yeah he's my dude this week i think that that performance that they had on the Monday night game was incredible. That third line it dominated like 80% of Corsi and had a ton of scoring chances. I think five to one for the scoring chances in that game. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go with Bailey. I think he's been a dude and uh, oh, I hope the dude keeps rolling. Lovely. So bitter, so bitter with you right now for stealing that. I, yeah, but you're right. <laughs> I mean, he does, he does look like a dude out there. I mean, he looks like he's doing, dare I say it, the things that we want Jake for Tannen to be doing, right? Except for now we're talking about him getting a shot on the power play and playing in the top six. So, yeah, man, that's a that's a good pick. I like that one a lot. I, I forgot the Canucks power play currently is at seventeen point five percent. We are the PP One podcast, and I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about how awful it is and also what the statistic was. So uh, maybe we get to seventeen point six if he's on the PP Two. That's that means we might score a goal in the next ten games. <laughs> that's a good jump. So uh, Brady, once again, I'm gonna I'm riding this to the end. I feel it this week. I feel it in my bones. All right, man. Well, here we go. Are you ready? I'm still mine either. If please. you steal it, I'm going to drive out there and punch you, though. All right. My dude of the week. I'm keeping it simple. The veteran of the team, Alex Edler. Seven hits. He was all Toronto. He's almost my guy. Sorry, so. Ted. I didn't mean to do that to you, but seven hits. I think that's all I got to say. I mean, they're play- They're in a five game, <laughs> five game that's, slump. That's and, the reason uh, he hit people. Who goes out and tries to fire up the team? None other than the veteran himself, Alex Edler. Love to see it. So keep it up, Eddie. Imagine having this being a star of the week on your team. Like, Eddie, you hit you hit a lot of guys this week. Good effort. Like, we, we lost every game. I know, but you hit a lot of guys this week. Also, we're going to be sitting you for the next game. Yeah, usually the usually you're getting like a you're loaded up on hits because your team never has the puck. That's usually how that works. Yeah. But do you remember when he was playing for like for Sweden and they were talking about him like Oh yeah, like it's so great to have that. He's like he's like our enforcer. Do you remember that comment when they dropped that? And I was like, really, Alex Edler is your enforcer? But yeah, I mean he's getting older, but he's still a physical guy. He's he's one of the more physical de- defenders on this roster, right? So yeah, we kind of need him to be like that in games that are close and tight, and we're not allowing a whole lot of shots on goal. Guy yeah. can hit when he wants to. That's for sure. He hit Drew Doughty, and that was probably his best hit ever. That was a good. I'm one. always I'm always a fan of the uh, the Edler reverse hit that. Mm-hmm. Pedersen has kind of adopted recently. I did that to you uh, back in the photo shoot. You did, yeah. I was not expecting that. I mean, that yeah, turned out well. Te- boys. Technic- Those pictures they look sharp. Technically, you were because we were told to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Looked like a iPhone 12 commercial with all those pictures coming out. Yeah, those are fun ones. I'll have to get you out for one next time. Absolutely. Yeah, you guys don't want to see me skate, but yeah, you don't want to see yeah, me, me skate. <laughs> no, I think like Hank, you could probably skate skate circles around me, man. Whoa. I so I struggled learning how to skate as a kid because like I happened to be like huge as a child. So I was like a six foot something ten year old. And <laughs> I just grew too fast and the skates they felt like they were like just jabbing into my foot. So I never really like learned how to skate. And then I broke my ankle, um, like completely shattered my ankle. Uh so I'm not really like even allowed to skate, I guess, right oh, now. Wow. Or like I'm not allowed to like I can't ski. Uh, snowboard or skate just because of like all the metal that I have in my legs. So 
Yeah, you'd skate circles around me, but I could, you know, come out there and and try or something. I don't know. We'll tell them the maybe story we'll, after. Maybe we'll, we'll have maybe you down to come play some ice. We'll do some ice fishing instead. Yes, I'll I'll do that. We'll sure. get nails out there. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, do it too. That dude's ready to go. Yeah. All right, Mister uh, Teddy Bruski. Who's your um? Dude? Okay. Well, seeing so both of my picks were taken. Don't do Jerks. it. Don't do it. <laughs> um. Now you know how it feels. Yeah. Honestly, I think that I could probably pick the entirety of the Vancouver Canuck decor here. I think this game was such a giant step forward for the way that it's been playing. But if I'm going to single somebody out, it's probably OJ. Um, I thought, you know, Yolevi played a really compact, smart game. He wasn't incredibly noticeable, which is a good thing. Other than, you know, getting abused once by Ilya Mikhaev, I thought, you know, his game was really, you know, it was complete. It was calm, nice, quick breakout passes, controlling a couple shots on net. He was doing the things that I wanted to see, uh, you know, you'll levy do in his games, which is just calm things down. Right. Um, so I think if I'm going to take a guy, it's going to be, it's going to be only levy. I don't have the, the, the corresponding stats or what he was doing from a course perspective or controlling player possession. But I mean, I feel like from the eyeball test, um, you know, busy doing the live tweet thing that it was just, it was, it was just a calm down improvement and everything that we're sort of looking for, for him. So uh, it was good. Ted, can I, can I jump in here? I got please, it. It was 61% Corsi. Uh, 70% of the shot share in 11 minutes, seven shots, four. That's pretty damn good in 11 minutes. Uh, and the expected goals too, 57%. So yeah, you're, you're bang on with the eye test telling you that the numbers back it up. Love it. You know what I've noticed in the last couple of weeks? And I've, I kind of voiced this in one of the pregames. Statistically, as far as the, the score or the scores go, as far as standings go, Canucks haven't looked great. Eye test wise, I, I can't honestly say they've been absolutely god-awful. Like, they haven't been great. But uh, there's there's so much in there where I think luck is really playing. Like, it's we've seen funks. Like, you've seen really bad puck luck. I mean, the Canucks went through. The, remember that massive loss, loss streak they had when Burroughs... All those posts by Miller's, Miller and Pedersen? Like, there's, there's just so much to, un, to unwrap there. But, yeah, I just... I, pers- I can't buy in 100% that it's just, you know... There, you know, things aren't, you know, whether they're talking about that there's something going off in the locker room. Of course there is. When you're losing the way they're losing, whether it's barely or getting blown out, like, this team is different. Something's up, for sure. But, I mean, that funk just, like, it seeps its way into every player. There's doubt. There's everything. Like, it happens in any sport. It happens in your job. So you can go through a funk where it seems like every single thing you do is just absolute trash. And we've all been through it at some point, and it just seems like this gray cloud just hangs over you, and it's never going anywhere. But there is a spark. Something happens, and it, for whatever reason, changes, especially in hockey. Puck luck is huge. And I do believe that this team, again, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year, and that's fine. It is what it is. If they just miss it, I think for what they lost and you know the way this season has gone so far, I mean, I would take it. At the same time, playoffs are always fun. I, I would enjoy seeing that. But... I. I do think there there is potential in this team to turn it around, and I just I just don't buy it yet. My eye test tells me that they aren't as bad as they actually look. So anyway, on to my dude of the week. He's had four points in his last four games, four and five. If you want to poop on it, two goals, two assists, and that clapper against Toronto made me believe that we we're almost ready to see the return of the alien of Elias Pettersson. Elias, Elias, however you want to say it, I don't care where you're from, PD, I believe, is about to return. 
That guy has hit so many crossbars, so many posts. His opportunities are there. Yeah, he looks a little bit snake bitten. He looks like he's clutching the stick a little bit harder than he needs to. But there's just something in there where I can see that it's starting to turn over. And PD isn't a guy that gives up. And it's it's showing on the ice. He's He is one of that those guys in the leadership core. And I think it's only a matter of time. And it might even happen against Calgary. And oh, would that feel good to see them bury Calgary on that first one. It would... I think there'd be a lot of it'd be like a redemption tour, basically, where we we can all calm down, especially after the week. That's I mean, it's not even Wednesday yet, and it's been a crazy week. I think there's an opportunity for Elias Patterson to have one of those games. Maybe it's just one goal, but I think there's a chance for that collective sigh of relief to come. And what I've seen from him in the last four games, even the last five games, like even when he didn't get his point. I've really liked what Pedersen's had to offer. He's still grinding it out there. He's still making making plays happen. He's not giving up on his team. And it's it, you can see the frustration. You can see the frustration on every player on this team right now. But for a guy like Petey, he hasn't give up. He's still putting up points. I mean, he's not invisible. We would expect him to be kind of caving down. He's still, he's still making it happen. So for me... PD's my guy. Um, I, I can't give up on him yet. I think there's there's plenty more for him to give this year. And uh, what's what's not to like? I mean, we have Elias Patterson on the Canucks. We have Quinn Hughes on the Canucks. Things are bad, but I mean, at the end of the day, these guys are going to be here. You know they're going to be lifers. There's no way they can let these guys leave. It's going to happen. Things are going to turn around for the Canucks. This is the moment of positivity brought to you by Ryan Hank. You're such a dad. I am a dad. This is crazy dad hype there. It I is dad hype. It is dad hype. Smack you on the butt and get out there. There we go. That was a lot of fun. Do you have fun, Faber? Absolutely, boys. I have fun listening. It's even more fun to hop right on with you guys. So um, I, we're, we're getting pretty close to ending here. I there, We could probably talk for another hour, but that, that's what happens every week. Um, maybe let's get into kind of uh, the elephant in the room and uh, what happened today, which caught everybody by surprise, caught the, you know, the the Canadian sports landscape by surprise. Um, TSN's uh, affiliates in Vancouver, Winnipeg, and Hamilton were all cut at, what, 9 o'clock this morning just before? Um, and we got good riddance by Green Day to, to carry us out and then blinding light by uh, the weekend. Pretty, pretty tough stuff. We all have... Uh, known a lot of these guys in the Vancouver market anyway um in various forms uh I've been in the studio with Karis and Price Faber I know you've been there you kind of got in there early on um we've had uh, the guys on our podcast both of us um this was a tough one because I think it's it's past the point where it's just a radio station I was listening to these guys Ted Brady I know you guys were listening when it was team 1040 and we were all in Kelowna here when you're you know we'd be listening online and like Mojo radio. Remember that when Mojo radio was competing with them, which did go all the way back to sports page. Like it, it gets, it goes so deep. It's not just a radio station. Like this is part of your life. It's, it's part of your family and to see it end the way it did. I mean, absolutely gutless for sure. And hearing all the stories from various personalities, like it's heartbreaking. You, I told my kids what happened today and I explained how it happened. And like, utter shock like as a child they couldn't comprehend that that's how someone would let somebody go people were finding out on twitter when you find out you lost your job on twitter that's low 
That is so, so low. I don't want to, I don't want to emphasize on the negative part, but I think maybe more of a round table and Faber, we'll start with you because you're, you're heavily invested in this right now to, well, to a certain degree anyway, um, in the, you know, the sports media market, like when you, when you heard that this morning and we were kind of texting back and forth, like, how does that hit you? What, what are, what are your feelings when, when that all went down? Yeah, I was, uh, I was up watching comments till about three o'clock last night, getting all caught up and I woke up, uh, my phone was just insane. Like Twitter group chats were crazy. Discord group chats were insane. And I was like, oh damn, the Canucks fired Jim Benning. It happened. Uh, cause my phone was just like insane. So I was like, right on. Uh, but then I look <laughs> and, and I find out that it's, that it's 1040 that went down and man, I, I just felt so bad for, for everyone that's involved. I thought that was a a cowardice move by bell to, to pull that out. And the way that they did, it was just disgusting the way that, you know, Halford and Bruff throw to break the radios, like bell takes over and just cuts everything. You don't like, I, I get that people are going through certain things, big companies, and, and I'm not giving bell an excuse here, but if they were to let them go during their 20 year celebration, you would think that they would let them finish the damn week. Like let them finish the damn week and talk about day. what they've done the day, at least right. Like at least the damn day, they just took them off the air, left them. They what did they give them thirty minutes to get all their stuff and Put them on the out side of the road, security into the building. Yeah, after what one hundred twenty-two million dollars was given to them to help keep their employees employed. Like, is Bell going to give that money back no. to to the Canadian government? No, does that make sense? Right? Like, it's it's just not. It won't happen. But I just felt so bad because you you touched on it, Ryan. Just saying it like these guys that work for this station aren't just guys that talk on the radio they're guys that have helped us out brady i know you've talked to a lot of these guys as well and, and coming up in the industry now and even being at bcit you've you've gotten to speak with some of these guys or be around them a little bit and like i haven't met a bad guy or girl yet like i've i've been in been able to go no, on no, rob no. Fay nation uh been able to meet Chantel and rob a couple times in studio you mentioned it i was in there with sakaris and price i remember uh, a quick story about Moj, like, you know, say what you want about Moj. He's a butt end of a lot of jokes, but Moj he's done a hell fact. of a job making, making sports radio fun for 20 years. The guy's done a hell of a job of that. Um, so I was at the Jason Botchford Memorial night for the media staff, um, like media group. I don't know how I was included in that. I guess, uh, I think Corey Hergott snuck me in pretty much cause he was invited. Um, so we're at the sports bar and, um, you know, I was talking with some producers that I've talked to in the past and all the top media folk from Vancouver in this room and Moj comes over and, uh, he's drinking a shock top an orange shock top. So I, I'm also drinking a shock top and he's like, he's like, he's like Chris favor from the Nymo. Cause I like, texting his favor from the Nymo all the time. <laughs> right. He's like, he's like, man, he's like, I see your, he's like, I see the work you're doing. It's great. I read some of your, some of your posts. Uh, I was at the Canuck way at the time, I think. And he's like, read some of your posts and, uh, and congratulations on Canucks army. And I was like, Oh, thanks a lot, man. Like I'm thinking of moving over here and maybe going to school. He's like, well, you got to meet some people then. And for like an hour, Moj took me around that room and was like, here's Don Taylor. You got to meet Don Taylor. Here's Scott Rintoul. You should meet Scott Rintoul. Here's Trevor Martins. He's a guy who might give you a job one day, <laughs> like and all this stuff. And you know, all I had to do was buy him two orange shock tops the whole night. And I got to meet wow. every single media person in there. And just to hear that a person that would go like, why, why do you do that? Right? Like you didn't have to do that. But somebody that went out of their way to be that nice and that helpful to me, like that helped me a ton, just getting my face to meet people and maybe people remember me the next time. Like I, I owe a lot to, uh, to a lot of those guys. And I just felt so horrible hearing that 
out of nowhere, this higher up of Bell just snapped his fingers and was like, "No, they're done. Like we don't we don't need that anymore." They didn't, you know, they don't know what it meant to everyone here. You mentioned that it's been here for 20 years. It felt like family. Like it just felt like Vancouver sports was there. Like that's where Vancouver sports was. And I work at the competition. I work at sports at six fifty. but like for 20 years, that's where the sports conversation has been. And to have it taken away, it's disgusting. And the word that I just kept using on our show that when we recorded earlier was cruel. Like it's cruel the way that they went through with it. It feels like. Yeah. I like, I like how you mentioned, you know, when you got help there from Moj and like the industry, it's just such a place where the type of people that work in it, they're, they're willing to help each other and they're willing to do anything for each other. They got each other's backs. So, so to see bell stab them in the back this way, is it's, it's terrible. Um, Can I add to I that Brady? Just what you said sure. there, like, like they will help you out if, if they see that you're working, right. If they're like, mm-hmm. this guy's working, look at, look at Corey Hergott, look at all the TSN 1040 folks have been, to Corey who like spends so much time watching these comments and writing about comments and getting in contact with them. And they're like, look at the work this guy's putting in. I noticed that I'm going to be nice to him and help him because Mm -hmm. maybe it helps them just a little bit, but they don't know how much it really helps Corey. And I just find like, if they see that you're putting in the work, they're willing to help you, I think. And that's horrible. Cause those are, those are great people. Mm You know, for sure. Um, Where I'm going with that. um, I guess this is kind of a different question and I guess you might not be able to to answer it for me. I don't know if any of you guys can, but what is, what's up with the, the 30 minutes notice? Um, like, is that, is that, in a, are they afraid of backlash in some sort of way? Like what's going on there? Why just the 30 minutes? It's, Why make it so sudden? Do they have to turn off the airwaves? Cause they don't want people talking shit. Like what's going on there. It's like a hard line corporate policy. I'm sure. I, again, yeah, we'd probably have to see a contract and what that looks like as far as termination policies go. Um, especially considering it's Bell like a massive conglomerate. So mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that's part of how, how their termination policy would go. Um, again, it doesn't matter if it is or not. Like it's, it just looks heartless. That's for sure. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we, I, I think Brady, like I, I, I totally get what you're asking because it's, you know, why not be an actual it's, human it's being? It's ridiculous. Like why not be human beings and be like, listen, you guys like get your stuff you know, we'll escort it. Cause again, you know, if you've ever Faber, you've been in the studio, you know how, you know, what it takes to get up to that floor essentially. Right. Like it's, you know, multiple checks before you get up that elevator. So I've done it. And I thought like, man, like this is a radio station. Like it's not that crazy, but it's serious. Like there are security checks and all that. So, um, it, it does make sense as again, not, not that it makes it right, but there is, there is a, a, a method to their madness on, on why those are, and they're not the only company. If it were to happen to, I mean, heaven forbid, like Rogers or, or whoever else, like the same kind of thing would probably happen, unfortunately. So it's uh, Ted, you had some to speak. in. No, no, I I think you're right there, Brady. And I think Ryan, and and I think what the, the deal is, is in this scenario, right? Where, people get fired and there's always like, you know, you have 30 minutes, get your stuff, get out of the building. Right. Or you get let go or whether it's amicable or not, you know, you don't get to, to loiter and hang around. Right. But I think it's just the scale that it happened in. Right. I mean, to, to have that policy, Ryan, that you're talking about enacted on such a massive scale, right. Essentially we're talking about an entire building worth of people. I mean, I haven't been there myself, but you know, based on stories from you guys, I can have an understanding of what it looks like and what it feels like and how many people and how many moving parts are involved in putting these shows together on the week to week basis. Right. So I think not only was it the fact that it happened, Brady, but I think it was just the, the massive scale in which it happened. But 
yeah, I think obviously just, you know, pretty terrible. I think, you know, Chris, you, you touched on the fact that we're, we're talking about a, you know, a, a huge conglomerate, but they're in the telecommunications world, right? I mean, just during this kind of year, what do we need more than anything else, right? I mean, we need communication. So yeah. to me, it feels like they're, they're making their money. I mean, we know they turned a humongous profit this year, um, you know, and then to collect from the government to, to, to save employees' jobs and then only to turn around and let them go. You know, and I hate, I hate saying this, but it happens the week right after Bell Let's Talk, right? I mean, that's such a positive thing in so many people's lives. And I know that a lot of it's used for a tax write-off for a humongous company like that, but it still brings a lot of positivity. But that almost has a sour taste in my mouth because of it, right? I mean, now I kind of have this mentality of like, we don't need to have this hashtag of Bell Let's Talk to talk, right? Um, and that's unfortunate because of the money that does go back to, you know, a charitable foundation that needs stuff like that. But um, all in all, I think, you know, what we're going to miss most from this is, is just what part of day of our lives these guys really were. And I don't think we noticed that until today when we were driving home, most of us, and we didn't have the drive at five. You know what I mean? We didn't have that banter back from Sicaris and Price and, and all of these other guys who've really been in our lives, like you said, for the last 20 years. Um, and it really is a shock. I don't know what I'm going to fill that time with now exactly, right? I know there's lots of pods um, and that's going to be fun to listen to, but who knows what the future brings to these guys, but I'm going to do my best to follow each and every one of them because I think you guys touched on it best when saying that people in this industry help people in this industry uh, as long as they're putting in the work. And if we know anything about any of these guys and gals is that these people put in the work. So I'm really optimistic to see where they land in the future and what the future holds for them. Um, favor, we know you got to go. Um, thanks so much for coming by. Um, obviously, tons of podcasts and stuff. Appreciate it. Um, we'll try to get you. We'll get you one more time. We gotta. We'll try to get you a little more regular if we can. Um, again, thanks for coming on. Very weird day, but uh, obviously the stuff we brought you in was a lot of fun. So, um, thanks, man. Thanks. Thanks for rocking out uh, the Russian gangster look. <laughs> and uh, we may see you again, maybe. I want to hear some actual ska on the next episode, though. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, boy. It, it was We're good to hop on. on. You know, I, I think I've mentioned this on a lot of shows that I've done. I'm just a, like, I'm an absolute podcast freak. I listen to, like, probably 80% of the Canucks podcast, which is saying a lot, if you guys know how many there are in total. Uh, you guys are definitely on one of the top of the list for me. So I'll leave you guys with this. I appreciate you coming on the show. And Whoa. here's the box. Oh, oh Cheetos. Cheetos mac and cheese. Cheetos mac and cheese. Flaming so hot gross. flavor as well. That's diarrhea. Wow, that, yeah, look at that bowl right there. Eh? Oh, that's diarrhea waiting <laughs> oh, to happen. Oh, man. Okay, I need a, I need that posted on, on Twitter. We'll get so that. I share that thing Believe around. you me. Absolutely. Perfect. Nasty voice. Thanks, right, favor. Man, thank you so okay. much for jumping on. And you know what? I can't skate either, so it's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Makes... Don't tell anyone, though. Eh? Yeah, too late. Much All love, right. Chris. Have Thanks. a good one, boys. Enjoy. Uh, have a good rest of the show. That was a lot of fun talking to Chris. I love. It's always fun. I love chatting with what that a dude. Man. He is. He is a dude. He was a dude. I remember back uh, pre-COVID, Brady, you, me, and him, little, uh, you know, a little, little, little Cecil's little pierogies. Cecil's. Oh, oh that's right. I didn't get to make that one. I'm oh, that was so good. Guys, yeah. That was so good. And then uh, where do we go? Kettle River, I think. Too, is right? he a tall? Is he a tall dude? He's a broad dude. He's no, a like a broad a, dude. Yeah. Tall. Yeah, he's, he's broad. He's, he's tall. Yeah, See, is he tall too? I've got the height. I've got the height matched pretty close, but he's got oh, okay. He's, he's a, definitely taller than me. That's for sure. Yeah, you're he's probably twice well, my size. I think Brady, you and I are the short shits of the group. I think you that's are. how that works. Absolutely, we're the short shits. Yeah. yeah. So we're gonna close out here with. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but uh, let's close out with good and bad. If Jim Benning gets fired, which it could happen, this has been an interesting season. It's been an interesting year. 
Elliot Friedman brought up. <laughs> what if what what if Roberta Luongo was the GM? Oh man. I would lose it. You guys like I I bleed Bobby Lou. I would I mean, they wouldn't allow me to it, but I would meet him at the airport. I would drive him there. I would pay for his Uber. <laughs> I'd well, he probably has. He probably has his G-Wagon still waiting if he needs it, right? G-Wagon, G-Wagon. Could you imagine how silly it would be having Luongo manage his own cap penalty? <sighs> He'd figure it out. He'd figure it out. He's like, all right. Someone said he's like he'd unretire, go on LTIR, and then uh, and and then retire or whatever. So wouldn't that be something? Eh? It Unretires. Would be, it would be with, silly. He's yeah. like our third straight goaltender <laughs> slash yeah. general manager. I love yeah, it. They send they send Mikey DiPietro back down to to Utica and and Bobby lose the no, Bobby lose the no shuttle. Luongo sends him back down. Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. No, that would be that would be hilarious. I, I don't. I mean, I guess it would depend on. And I just haven't. I haven't done any research in this because it really just caught me so off guard, right? I mean, I don't know what Luongo's management chops are. I don't know what, by all accounts, he's been learning the job. Mm-hmm, I mean, if sure. he knows, if he knows anything, he knows, he knows about this recapture. You know, this crazy city. He know yeah. he knows about cap recapture. He knows about the pressure that this city. You know is applying to him just like Trevor Linden would have known sure. those things. Um, you know, my, my, my knee jerk reaction is that uh, I don't want another new GM that has no experience. Right. Uh, that's we, a good call. We've been through this twice. And if it's not Bobby Lou, I'm, I'm probably thinking otherwise. Right. Um, and it worked out really, I think for the most part with, with the Gillis thing, I'm, I would wish he would just come back. Honestly. Um, I, I, I'm still not, everybody knows I'm not a big fan of the Benning thing. Uh, and and it would be cool to get somebody with like a big a bit of a track record. Although I I do get the idea of of jumping on with a with a Luongo if if he's been learning on the job, you know, during his time in Florida or whatever. But the one cool thing I think that comes out of all of this is Pittsburgh just did it, mm-hmm. and we know that you can fire a management team during COVID. No, it is it is possible. That's it the glimmer of hope. That was the glimmer of hope for sure. Exactly. But what what is what is Luongo's position in Florida right now? He's well, a, his title. He's like an assistant ops. It's it's a glamour title more is than he like assistant ops and goaltending I mean, consultant or something yeah. like that. My my question there for Luongo is like, there's some friction with him and and the owners or management or whatever you want to call it. Would Van- he would would he come back to Vancouver? Would he accept that job? Do you think? That's. Mm. Okay, cool. So I I think that that it's a different, a completely different position, right? Like Luongo, Luongo the management person is different than Luongo the player, right? So I I would think that maybe he can separate the two, maybe he can compartmentalize those two relationships or what that relationship is from a standpoint of an owner versus a a player. I think if uh, obviously. You know, there's no coach there. There's no, I mean, yeah, money talks. Absolutely. Money talks, yeah. But there's the, you know, the coach wouldn't be there when he was there. The GM obviously wouldn't be there when, when, because he'd be the guy. Um, you know, I don't know what his relationship with uh, Francesco was. So that's, that's tough to say. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, absolute pipe dream. But what if, what if Roberto Luongo was the GM of the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, we'll, we'll have to. We'll and I think this whole COVID thing wouldn't even exist. I'd wake up and we'd all be dreaming. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to wake the, up then. The whole idea that he would be managing his own cap recapture though just fucking kills me. Oh, that'd be that slap hard, thing. hey? <laughs> that would slap so hard. So, anyway, this has been a lot of fun, boys. Um, 
we finally made it before a Friday. So this is great. Good for us. Um, if things get crazy, we'll we'll launch another pod. There's always a reason to emergency pod. If Benning or Green or something crazy happens, a big trade, maybe Jake gets traded. We will be back on. Um, this is the PP1 podcast. We are part of the Dean Blundell Network. So proud to be here. Um, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Chris Faber, thank you for coming by. Enter the headphone contest, people. Like, retweet, follow. It's the pinned tweet. We are going to give three pairs of these things away over the next couple months. So don't freak out, but you got to enter. And anybody that knows me, I win tons of stuff. And how do I win? I enter. You, you don't can't, win. You can't if, win these, Ryan. I know. Yeah. Oh. 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 You can't win these. Yeah. Okay. If you enter, you can have a chance to win. That's my point here. So you can't win if you don't enter. Um, there's not much more to say. So yeah, you th- miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Thank you, Michael Scott. Michael Scott. That's true. Apparently. That's true. True story. So People don't uh, forget. Any final words, boys? Radio silence. Get on those headphones, man. Get yeah, on those. Headphones. Get on them. I'm, we're all wearing them right now. They're great. Uh. What, what was it in the words of Don Taylor? Let's hope the fucking Canucks win a cup here pretty soon. On Let's that note. I hope so, eh? Love it. On that note, Brady, Ted, I'm Ryan. PP1 Podcast. Like, subscribe, all that crap. Peace out. Peace out. Do, did, will. The Story of People Podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside Podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the podcast about broadcast. Every week since 2016, we've been bringing on broadcast leaders to talk about their experiences in radio, what they've seen, and where they believe it is all going. If you live and love radio, subscribe to the Sound Off Podcast with Matt Kundle wherever you get your podcasts.